I have these friends, Dan and Sheila. I actually they're podcast hosts. Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. And I'm Dr. Redmond. And we are back for two more episodes of Touching Evil. The show that like here's here's what I'm gonna say about Touching Evil. I'm not gonna say I'm happy that it didn't get a second season, right? But like I almost wonder what would they have done in a second season? Because this entire season of television is devoted to just fixing an episode of television piece by piece. Like one episode at a time, we are fixing a season of television. And to me, that's like the strangest thing I've ever seen. Well, not even a season, like a whole show. So they looked at every episode of Touching Evil and they're like, how can we pull out what works here? How can we fix what doesn't work there? And it's like, they're just repairing this show. And I mean, I'm not even saying it keeps it from having its own identity, but there is that level to it. I mean, I know most people who watched it in America never saw Touching Evil. So our experience is kind of a unique one. But what would these writers have done if called to like tell their own stories in this world? I'm sure they would have been capable of doing it, but it's like, isn't it almost more valuable that it exists just to repair this massively flawed TV show? Or have I gone crazy? Because if I've gone crazy, that's fine. Okay. You know, you got a little crazy. You know. Well, it's just because it's like, so this week we get uh, what they call K, because uh, the kids are doing ketamine instead of acid. And then we have... Love Lies Bleeding, which is the one about the father, right? And then I saw the ad at the end, because we're watching stuff that, by the way, that's how hard this is to find. We're watching, like, episodes that were taped off of television. So they include, like, next week on USA's uh, Touching Evil, A New Night, which is never a good sign when they're moving it. But anyway, uh, uh, on A New Night, and it's going to be the plot of him trying to protect that lady. But it's been pulled away, it seems. I mean, who knows? We haven't watched it yet. But it's like, there's a there's a killer sniper on the loose, and they have to protect the witness. And they're doing the storyline about him protecting a witness seemingly disconnected from the child-selling storyline. I mean, we're going to talk about oh. how it went when we watch it next week, but it's like, all but of then the, ways, the question is... Yeah? Are they going to do child-selling separately? Yeah. That Well, that's what we're going to have to check out. Well, we're going to keep watching. Remember how much of a mess that episode oh, was. Oh, that was just disa- a disaster. You couldn't, you couldn't follow it, right? Yeah, you could anyway. not follow what they were trying to do there. So, and what uh, did you, Please. No. Okay. Here's, here's my Take reaction. Yeah. Okay. First of all... It was safe. It's safe to assume mm-hmm. that 95, 98% of the people who watched this didn't see the original. Yeah. The original. That's what I mean. That, that's just safe to assume. Okay. I'm, I'm glad we're on the same page there. Okay. So that means they're watching a TV show like I'm watching it, except that I've got this back stuff because I've never seen it before. Yeah. And um, it it is a little weird watching them 
take it kind of word for word, but changing the odd thing here and there to make it work better. Yep. Um, it shows that they know what stories are supposed to be like, particularly, I guess, in American television. I mean, if they'd been asked to do one, an hour and a half episodes, like, they would have fixed those two. I this, have to assume. This crew, okay? Yeah. I do not know what Paul Abbott was doing, but it was a mess. So, <laughs> yep. we've, you know, so they probably could have done that integration, but they didn't have to. And Paul Abbott gave them 20, you know, 13 shows. I mean, yeah. what the hell? 13 hours worth of content. Yeah, 13 hours. Th well, yeah, 13 hours worth of content. And, Over three seasons, yeah. <clears throat> so it is, um, what I would say is that it is a better thing but i can already see like for example in one in one the second episode you see the boss thinking about his wife yeah okay so what's that going to be so that could go into another season well, isn't and she he, one of the isn't she one of the people that that guy killed i'm not sure i don't remember i thought i, I thought i recognized her picture from the guys that guy killed but anyway that's something we can talk about when we get there and you know what we can check to see who's right about that uh but well, yes. i don't know okay but just just a sec Please. okay but what i'm saying is and then there's th there's the guy that killed him yeah now if they're not going to resolve that in 13 that could be you know oh, yeah you could really go that into this uh delve into, into that the, in the second season yeah yes and then when that's solved Right when that's solved, then possibly you could bring his wife and children back. Oh yeah. For example, you know, like like there's there stuff are, you could do. There is stuff, and I think that they would accept that. I'm not sure that. Well, I don't know. Millennium made it. Um, yeah. And um, this is a dark but it's a very dark show and that's not American television. And we've already talked about this <laughs> last, last time because you just went, yeah, that's why. And I would think, yes, that's why it is. It is a lot of it. You're absolutely right. You know, now I think they could have continued whether it would have been bleak, whether it would, here's the problem. If we had been watching this for the first time, we would have thought this was wonderful and then, and then, as they slowly but surely added in internecine warfare in the bureau, and as yes. they added in this and they added in that, it would become more like a generic TV show in the states. Unless, because just remember, think even things like Vice. Which did you see Vice? Which one is Vice? No, Vinyl. No, I didn't watch Vinyl. You never watched Vinyl. Apparently, I should watch I, Vinyl. I wanted to watch, like, I watched Vinyl. I wanted another season. It never got another season. Right. Ever. And it was bad. It was bleak. It was eight millimeter bleak. Oh, my God. Was it Vinyl, the the Bobby Cannavale in the music industry show? Oh, yeah. Okay. Don't, don't say any more. I'll watch it and I'll find out for myself. Wow. You watched that. As I said, eight millimeter bat. Oh now, my God. Um, 
I mean, not it didn't have the child sexual abuse. Well, story. I would hope not. No, but it was that kind of bleakness. Right, I understand. That kind of destructiveness. Yeah. And this show is showing all of these people being so very destructive. Yeah. Um, and we could talk about that because in these two episodes, that's pretty clear. Mm-hmm. Particularly the father one. Um, you know these people are destructive people and what you have is Cregan trying to do the right thing trying to mend his world as best he can and he doesn't know how and there is no there's almost no um, precedent like it's really hard like I I know um, and this was from 40 years, 40, 50 years ago. What's this? That um, your dad and I had, well, because I worked in this bank, and I think I might have sort of told this story, part of it before, but there was a woman in this bank that I was friends with, and she had two children. Right. And I've told different parts of it, but I'm not sure that I really told the part that related to her first husband. Like, she didn't get married again. Okay. Um, for a long, long time, and because she had a long-term uh, partner, but she didn't live with him, um, she didn't marry him until after his children, mm-hmm. because, for a lot of reasons. Um, and I think it was a wise thing for her to do and for her children. But she lived right with um, an unlisted phone number. She okay. lived with this world because her husband had been in a car accident and it was worse than Dave Cregan. He was, he was so consistently violent, the brain damage that he just couldn't control it. The anger bout, you know, um, the, and now we're going to find out another little key here. He has epileptic seizures. Right. Seizures periodically, right? Okay. And he can't control those because of the brain damage. It is so it's that, also not safe for him to drive, for example. Yeah. He can't drive because, well, he can't tell whether a light's red or green. Oh. Or as he told, right? That, that's what, what a couple of episodes ago... And what he told Cyril, he said, well, yes, I know what green is, but I'm not sure if your green is my yeah. green. <laughs> That's my problem. I I, yeah. I can't connect that way anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Everything is so um, different. I have, and there's no way to compensate for that in the brain. It would appear, I don't know if there's, in the last 20 years, there has been more. I don't it, think there has been enough movement on this that we can say that today Dave Cregan would be curable. No, yeah, because this is a part of brain damage. doesn't happen very often. It has to be a particular part of the brain. And from what I've understood, and then, as I said, in talking to the woman whose experience was this. Yeah. She was like... The funny thing is, no, you know, she had a girl and a boy. Yeah, I was going to say the funny thing is she had two girls too, but no, she didn't. She had a girl and a boy. Um, and um, I think, 
yeah, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Well, what's interesting to me is, is in the is structure, that, right? Oh no, please continue, and then I'll then I'll jump in. Yeah, no, 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 no. All I was gonna gonna say is that this is a real thing, mm-hmm. and Dave is trying to wend his way the best he can, and it will it would never go away. I mean, that's the one thing because it's not curable, and everybody seems to think that. He can, over time, mm-hmm. right, solve, you know, cure this. Like even finding the man who shot him isn't going to help. No, help not him. at all. Nothing. Like nothing. There is nothing that will ever change what happened to him, as he says. Well, no, him. and that's what I want to dig into. So this episode, yeah. um, for uh, it's it's the horse mutilation hey, episode, yeah. right? It's Well, in fact, they're not just cut. They get, the horses get murdered in this episode. Yeah. Oh, it's oh. Like, bleak. It is. It's, it's a rough episode. It is worse than the original, but there's a reason for that, which we will get into. Uh, right. And in fact, it's more plausible than the original, because if you're trying to amp people up to set homeless people on fire and slash their throats, it makes sense to have those people kill an animal first. Yes. Or it's not just like injure an animal. But anyway, uh, this is this is what. No, that that's what made sense. It's also why the organized and serial killers unit are called in. But I will say, I I mean, I understand that killing a bunch of horses is uh, important. It's it's definitely worth them investigating because as they say, you go from killing animals, especially big animals like this, to that. But but my point is uh, that this is not wake someone up in the middle of the night important. Oh, yeah, but this is a TV show. I just find it, I find it actually implausible that this woman called the, uh, right, that called the cops about her dead horses that night. I believe that. Yeah. I kind of believe that the cops would actually show up that same night. Maybe. I mean, cops don't really have a great track record. You're in a rural area. Let me talk. I I, que- I question the idea that the cops would actually show up that night because, you know, cops tend not to actually show up for things. But even if you accept the cops, then you have to imagine that they took a report, investigated, said, we should get the FBI on this, and then called the FBI, and ca- uh, the FBI <laughs> went all the way to Zach Grenier, and then Zach Grenier called everybody in, all while it was still that night. That's what I was saying. That's the part I find implausible. All you have to do is take out the one and but take out the one shot of her being waken up, woken up by the phone call, and we avoid all of this issue. Well, yeah, and that's the funny thing, right? Because Dave was already awake. He yeah, was because he has panic. trouble sleeping. Yeah, he has trouble sleeping. He's already awake. He's afraid. He's called his wife. Yeah. Um, at the beginning of this, because he's sure the kids are in danger. Yeah, you know, and then that bleeds into the next episode, but yeah. um, well, you know, so he's already running around, and um, but yes, if they just, as you say, if they just had called her that night, because I can actually see the the cops would have gone out. It's a rural area. There's probably one cop or two cops run, you know, in the in the neighborhood, and they probably don't have much to do at night, so what the hell? Exactly. So I can believe that they went out. The rest of it, yeah, you've got a problem, a time problem there. Um, now, but the, but the only thing that I would say is that if these were um, embedded cops 
in a rural area and they were part of the area, they might have been horrified because the course, horses were not just killed. The yeah. one horse was badly mutilated. Again, I have no problem with them getting called in. I just don't believe they get called. You don't have to explain that. But I know why they were called. Why. I agree they should have been called. I'm saying I don't believe that they would have been called the same night it happened. Well, no, it would have been the next morning. That's my point. So we are you know, the report would Let's have gone to the night guys. They might have gotten, well, you know, if they, they were, if the rural cops, knew that there was something weird about this, but yes, they but didn't I'm tell saying the there's woman. no way that message could have gotten no. all the way to Susan that night. No. That's my point. Yeah. Well, you know, so we've got to have a few odd problems because they had to do something. Yes. And no, if they this. just didn't wake her up in the middle of the night or they woke her up first thing in the morning. Again, you know, they this is not a, I'm just saying, this is not a wake somebody up type of crime. No. What happens in the next episode is a wake somebody up type of crime. Yeah. A serial killer has mis like disappeared and a girl has been kidnapped. That's a wake somebody up. A couple of horses getting slashed, while it's important to look into and get the person who did it, is not a wake someone up in the middle of the night. So you don't have to try to explain it. It's just a contrivance that doesn't really make sense. Yes, with apologies to horse lovers. <laughs> Again, solve that crime. I'm completely on board. But, uh, yeah, no, no. nobody's getting called in the middle of the night over this. But this is where we get the scene with Dave doing Tai Chi that's so pivotal, right? Yes. Because he talks about getting shot and his memories of getting shot and how he is, um, how he felt, like, disconnected from the fact that he was going to die, right? Yes. How he felt like he was watching it. But the thing is, and you might be willing to accept that as how he actually felt in that moment. But later in the episode, he describes feeling the exact same way about his daughters. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. His, his memory of and being at that shot. moment, you realize you can't trust his memory of being shot because no. he's saying, I know I should feel love for them, but I'm completely like, I can't connect how I like the feelings I used to know to have, they're not there anymore because I'm looking that and my brain isn't making that connection. And then you realize, Oh my God, the same thing must be happening with his shooting. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And he that just that's... doesn't realize it. Not yet. Yeah. And as I said, you could see that you would end up now. It all depends whether or not they knew they were going to be canceled by yes. the time the 13th episode was written. We're they very might... interested to see what that 13th episode yeah. is. Like. Yeah, you know, because that will tell us whether they were hoping to get another season or yeah. whether they were... They knew they were on the way out. They knew they were on the way out. Because, yes, that's exactly the point, is that Dave's memory of that, because... And we didn't... I'm, it's funny, I didn't pick it up. I didn't mention it the last time, but when he's talking about his peripheral vision on the left side, right? Yeah. And and you're... You're saying, well, that explains why he didn't see the killer, but I'm going... No, no, not explains. I'm saying metaphorically. But anyway, please continue. Yeah, but except that he would have... It's his right side where he turned to see the killer. Yeah. Right? So, it, there. yes, there are things, and this is probably why they keep showing that particular episode. Yeah, we get clips of it over and over and over again. Over and over again, slightly different clips, maybe. I would assume we'll get some more stuff when I'm assuming they're going to do the uh, 
the uh, euthanasia one. Yeah. Well, that's the last episode. Yeah. So that might, might, might tie into it. Yeah. And we might get some clue there finally, because what I love is how subtle that was because he knows there's something wrong with his his, way he relates to his daughters because he remembers having these emotions before, but he never had a chance to like generate memories about how he felt (laughs) about the fact that he was about to die because he got shot right then. So he doesn't know that he's remembering that wrong. Yeah, it's just, it's it's really funny. And he said that to his wife. I know that I loved you. Yeah. I just, it's basically he can't feel it. I, I, how, I can't believe how much they fixed this character. Yeah. Because in the original, Dave Cregan is, spoiler alert, kind of just an asshole. Yeah. And he got shot. And the fact that he got shot seems to play no part in the fact that he's an asshole. Yeah. Whereas here, they make it integral to, and he's trying to get over it because he knows. uh, Here, this Dave Cregan has accepted that he is damaged. Yep. The British... Dave Cregan is living in denial. Yes, this is is living in denial. We've said that during the show. Um, and often yes. the show forgets that he has brain damage. Yes, this is, as I said, uh, two. These are two alternate. This is an alternate universe <laughs> version of Touching Evil British. Well, it's fascinating because you watch yeah. this and you're like, if you think about Touching Evil, like how often did it even come up that he got shot in the head and has this brain damage? Now, as long as you looked at his scar, right? Yeah, unless you're looking at his scar, you don't know about it at all. Whereas here, the brain damage is integral to how he relates to everybody, and him trying to deal with the brain damage is this, and he'll come back from it, is like the major arc of his character over the whole show. Whereas the first one, it's like he got shot in the head, and he had this near-death experience, and he came back, and he was exactly the same, and I guess he'd always been a shitty person, and he was still a shitty person. Yeah. Like, but, the show well, I didn't think we explained it. It didn't reckon with the truth of this condition at all, and that's what the sequel show, is it, the remake show, is entirely about. Yeah. Like, it's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting that in that British show, because what we did then was just say, well, maybe he's just a sociopath because he was murdering for hire yeah, for the government. For the government. He basically murdered for the government. We yeah. that's what we call it in our world. Yep. Um so he's he's he and maybe he was, so he was already a bad yeah. person. We don't get that from this Dave Cregan. No. Not at all. No. And because like, I mean, just thinking about how the original Dave was so selfish and resentful. Yeah, and this Dave is so nice to Cyril. Their use of Cyril. Oh in my this, God! I mean, maybe Bruner had humanized Dave. Just brilliant. Yeah. Here, now maybe Bruno Heller knows Paul Abbott. Paul <laughs> Abbott did yeah. not like what was being done in the Touching Evil in England. This was not his vision for it. And he complained to Bruno Heller. Who the hell knows? I will say, though, um, it does, like, him having cast, like, being there and casting um, Prue Taylor Vince here explains why Prue Taylor Vince showed up in such a pivotal part on The Mentalist. Yeah. 
as JJ on The Mentalist. Like, this is maybe where they met. You never know. No, you don't. And he's oh, he's fantastic in this. Oh, my God. Cyril's so good in this. Mm-hmm. Like, and, showing I mean, Dave so... and, like, him being afraid that if he goes back to sleep, when he wakes up, this part of the dream will be over and he won't know where he is anymore. Like, damn. And he's so, like, the thing is, is that his character is so perfect and but so different in The Mentalist. You don't make that connection. Yeah, that it's the same actor because he's such. You a you would not person. believe that it was the same actor. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, he's it's a transformation. He's a completely different kind of character. Yeah. Yeah, and he's so good here, and so like the episode, uh, it it has a lot of the same beats. It really does, like the same thing of like the the one kid who does not want to participate, the one kid who's the leader of it. But, oh, my God, the genius streamlining of it, right, of this story, it's so brilliant how they've streamlined it, where there was this guy who had a wanted to do, um, you know, performance art about slaughtering animals, right, performance art about torturing animals to make some comment about whatever. He's a performance artist. We're supposed to dismiss him, right? Uh, but anyway, he wants to do performance art, and the thing is, and but as as Jack says, he could never like go all the way with it, like he could never take it to its logical end, and he ended up pulling, you know, someone into his orbit. Yes, right. He a a borderline personality who was more extreme got pulled into his orbit. Who was a gun waiting to be aimed at something, and this. The this what was the name of the artist? I'm blanking I think Stoddard or Stalker. St- Stoker. It was Stoker, Stoker, just like in the original, um, right? And it's like this Jack was a gun waiting to be aimed at something, and Stoker just gave him the structure that he needed to build this cult. Yep. I mean, it, it's a Manson, you know, not signing off on the murders type of situation. He was just being there, and he just wanted to run a cult, and then like his. <laughs> His uh, subordinates are like, yeah, but when are we going to start murdering people? So they just started murdering people. It's the same kind of situation here. Uh, And like you see the video of the guy talking about animals. And that's the only time in the episode we actually see him because there's this mysterious figure. And I think we all know what's going on watching it. We like, okay, Jack killed him, obviously. (laughs) Pretty early on when we hear that he's not going to be participating anymore. We're like, oh, okay. we see what's going on, but they delve into the psychology of this, I think, really well. Oh, fun fact. Uh, the girl in the team, uh, I was looking at the credits, Crystal Buble. Yes, that's Michael Buble's sister. <laughs> Who was an actress in the 90s and early 2000s, apparently. Oh, really? Yeah, I had no idea he had a sister I who was a Canadian I. actress. But yeah, there she was. Uh, but yeah, you're watching the episode and you're like, well, first off, one casting thing, uh, the guy they play, cast as Jack is, like, obviously so much older than everybody else. Well, I think they want to indicate that that, that meant that's why he managed to get... Um, All of them. Yeah, I don't... But it's like... These younger like, kids. Why do I recognize this guy? Like, I, I feel like I recognize this guy. Yeah. from something I didn't like, even look no, it up. I don't like... I did. 
Um, and he's he's Joey from Nightmare on Elm Street uh, three and four, the mute kid of the kids from the mental institution. Okay, which is which is why I would not. No, know you wouldn't have known. But my point is Nightmare on <laughs> Elm Street three and four were fifteen years before this show, and he was playing a teenager there. So it's because like they refer to Jack as a kid, like the rest of them, and maybe he's a little older than the rest of them, but he's not supposed to be thirty three years old. No. Uh, so yeah, the, he seemed obviously older in a way that the guy in the original didn't, but he was still very creepy. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because like, there's not a big mystery to this. No. Like, it's not a difficult mystery to solve. It's just more about understanding the, the methodology because it's like, it's not hard for them to find a guy who's into mutilating animals and that leads them to Jack. Right. That, you know, yeah. they find out about the animal, uh, animal mutilator pretty quickly. It leads them to Jack. And then it's a big coincidence that Cyril is wandering the same place around the same place where they decide to kill some animals. Well, they obviously had to make some adjustments. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty so. big coincidence. But, you know, I think we just we're just going to accept it this week. And then yeah. they, and then the guys try to kill uh, the guy who's a weakling. And he runs off just like in the original and he just tells them everything. And then the episode's over and all that's left is for Jack to confess that he also killed Stoker. Yep. But yeah, it's, oof. I mean, it's it's a bleak episode, but it's, I'm not going to is it the, I was going to say, after the pilot, is this one that's the closest to the original? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. They've just taken away the identity. They've, taken out the identity of the mastermind yes and the extra it, well and the and the foreign kids yes and the, yeah there's no longer the cult online yeah. it was all an in-person cult now yeah but yeah like i think it's for the most part the most similar one we've had right yeah line for line almost yeah you know even to the girl sort of going i did that no i didn't yeah i can't have him crying and crying and crying she makes she she cries a lot better than the other one. <laughs> than the original one did. Yeah. Yeah. Well no, because it's like when when they're broken away from this cult, when they're taken out of this milieu, suddenly the reality of what they've done hits them and it plays really well. But like the key parts of this episode are his interactions with Cyril and his interactions with his ex-wife and his interactions with Susan. Like the they're doing such interesting stuff with Dave as a character that even when he's dealing with the just kind of okay main plot of the episode, we're learning so much about him and he's so interesting to watch that yeah. you can't help but like be enthralled by this. I would agree. Yeah, no, I think it's, I it's was surprised that when they stuff. got to the horse mutilation that it ended up being as good an episode as it was. Well, I think this, like the whole business with Cyril also helps. Yeah, it really does. It, it, and having these other characters, right, <laughs> just helps. Mm -hmm. And I, as I said, when, when I think about Cyril, because it was clear that I think Abbott wanted Cyril to be a regular. Yep. Oh, clearly. And everybody else just forgot about it. I know, because they didn't understand what he meant for the show or what yeah. he could mean for the show. Yep. Yeah, no, it's it's a big improvement having Cyril there. But, I mean, especially if Dave is going to be coping 
and dealing with this kind of mental issue. Yeah. It really helps to have this other character there that the original just didn't understand what to do with Cyril, so he just got abandoned. But I mean, yeah. even in the original three episodes, you didn't get the sense that Dave was coping with anything. No. No, no, he was he was really good at this. Yeah, he, he was he, really good he, at this. He, well, and I mean, you don't... Ha Here's the thing. In the original, like, not only was there nothing wrong with Dave, no one really treated Dave, right, like there was anything wrong with Dave, except to the point where he was kind of an asshole to everybody, right? Yeah. Whereas in this, 100%, you're constantly dealing with the fact that, like, everyone's uneasy about Dave. Yeah. Even the guy who hired him. Even the guy who hired him. Sometimes, especially the guy who hired him. Yeah. But it's like, no one's ever fully comfortable. Whereas in the original, after the first episode, them talking about him getting shot, like, he's just kind of, like, part of the team, and he's in charge, and they get into... They have a lot of fuss, but that's it. You know, there's a lot of fuss with him screwing up, but the screwing up is never associated with his injury or yeah. his recovery from his injury. Like putting the brain, like it's almost tough to say how putting the brain damage at how important putting the brain damage at the forefront of his character, how much that has improved the show. Yeah. It's a shock. Yeah. And it's like such such a big change from the original and yet all it's doing and yet they're still almost doing the exact scripts but by having a completely different main character it totally changes how those scripts play no it's amazing i mean it really is amazing yeah what you they've know? done here it's it it's frankly it's brilliant all right and now let's get on to the second one. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. wow Oh, this is so much better than the original. Yes. <laughs> That's what we keep saying. So much better. I mean, we had a few little time problems and stuff with the, the last one. But this one is just, you know, the guy is even more of an asshole. He's a drunk. Yeah. He's a drunk. You know, I mean, it's much clearer, you know, that he is responsible for what happened to his daughter. You know? well, and I mean, and the genius of changing it so not that they had a fight, right? Um, right, not that they had a fight about her wanting to take a gap year and he didn't approve of her fancy college and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. To make the disagreement that she's going to spend, you know, she wants to spend the night as she often does with her boyfriend in the city. And he's refusing to, you know, give her a ride or anything like that because he refuses to accept that his child has grown up. Yeah. That's so much better than the original because it factors in, it factors more deeply to his control being what got her killed. Yeah. His refusing to accept his daughter as her own person is what got her killed. And that makes him watching the childhood videos all the more resonant. Yeah. Because it factors into him not wanting her to grow up is what got her killed. Yep. And that wasn't there in the original. Uh, no. And it's, yeah. And not having a fight with the mother over the tapes. And yeah, I, oh, they had to fill up. See, but this is telling us, right? What we yeah. were saying when we would complain about the original Touching Evil. There was so much filler 
Oh my God, was there ever. You know, you had always had these two stories. They tried to integrate them, but they never found a way to make them. Yeah. I, I, I mean, that was the thing that always got to me is they never found a way to make them work. No. No, to meld them together. It never yeah. worked. I mean, this is the thing. But partly and it's like, this is the thing you were most right about when we were watching Touching Evil is you kept talking about how every episode, it's like they awkwardly crammed two different episodes of awkwardly stitched two episodes of television together and never figured out how to make it work. Yeah. And you're like, and now that you watch this, yes. they like, now, all they did was they just removed all the stitching, pulled the episodes apart, and it turns out it works great. Yeah. The stories, yeah. Oh, so nice to be completely right. Sometimes. You were completely <laughs> right about this. All right. So um, this one, uh, so the, the killer has gotten loose and he immediately started killing. He got out after 12 or 13 years or something. Yeah. And immediately started killing. Because, you know, that's what serial killers do. Uh, and so we get this thing where now the blame has become that the people, the public wasn't warned that this guy was out of jail. Yeah. And that, I mean, it's more of a reach than Dave specifically failed to save this girl. Yeah. But given what they do with Chris Mulkey as the dad, you still get, like, in the original... Spoiler alert, it kind of was Dave's fault that she died. Yes. Because he didn't try to shoot the guy. Here, they've reframed it. So the Chris Mulkey character is so desperate to not blame himself. Yes. That he creates it being Dave's fault. Yeah. Like that he makes this up basically out of whole cloth. And I think that's a really interesting way to handle it. And Dave is, like, willing to accept that guilt. Even though it, there's no way you can say this murder was his fault, in his conversations with Chris Mulkey, he's willing to accept that guilt because he thinks that'll help the guy. Because yeah. he doesn't see how, you know, truly messed up this guy is. Yeah. Yeah, like, again... <laughs> He he imagines what would happen if his daughter, right? If something happened to his daughters. Yes. And so he gives this guy way more leeway and way more of a pass than he should. Yes. Because think of all the heartache that would have been uh, avoided had they just thrown him in jail for a while after he attacked Dave in public. Yes. You know? <laughs> and in the original... Dave is understandably guilty because he got that girl killed, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but here, like, it's more that Dave is projecting his own disconnection from his daughters yes. onto what happened with this guy. Yep. And I think that's a really interesting way to do it. And he gives the guy more sympathy than the guy deserves and then helps the guy. And it's kind of interesting when you're watching this episode how it's not that interested, like, understandably, it's not that interested in the serial killer. Yeah. You know, it's just not that interested in the serial killer. It's focused entirely. It gives the Chris Monkey storyline the focus of the entire episode. Yep. I think that's a really smart choice because that's where the drama is. I, I have no disagreement with you on any of that part of it at all. 
Yeah, because they're like, this guy, we know who did it. We know he's a killer. He's going to get found. It's just a question of running him down. And that's what they do. They search all of the places he could possibly be staying. And they get him. And as they say, he's a neat freak. He can't be like living in a hovel somewhere. He can't be, you know, he's obsessive compulsive and he needs everything to be super clean. He can't be living in a hovel somewhere. He can't be like hiding in a tent in the woods. He's psychologically, he couldn't accept that. So, like, we just have to search all the places in the area where he could possibly be, and we will track him down. Yeah. Which is exactly what they do. No, uh, it, was, it, was, it was a really good episode of just a nice, tight episode. Yeah. Well, uh, and the escalation on Chris Mulkey, I think, is really believable. Yep. It is really believable. and Because it makes it clear it's his fault. Yeah. 100% it's clear that it's uh, entirely his fault that his daughter's dead. Yep. And he's doing everything he can to not, like, to avoid that. He'll go to any lengths to not accept that blame. Yeah. So now let's talk about the biggest fix, I think, in the entire show we've seen so far. Okay. And that is Dave sending his family away. Yes. Which, to us, if you go back and listen to us, I mean, maybe you already heard it, was the most nonsensical part of the original. Yeah. And here, I thought it made perfect sense. Yeah, he was... Yeah, it's just too much. He can't... Like, the whole... and Okay. It... In the original, it doesn't make any sense because this is a single thing, plus we don't like Dave, plus we don't understand. Whereas we know, okay, that Dave himself is a danger to his children and his wife. On top of everything else. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, and he insists that they don't tell him because... Well, if they tell him something... He'll he'll want to go out and he'll want to reach out because he's yeah. desperate to... He's desperate to get that back part of his life. But And this is the key part. This is what they've changed. It's not about the guy who's trying to kill them. It's not about their being... No. Dr- That's what he tells himself. Yeah. He knows that he is holding them back and he is keeping them from being able to live full lives by hanging around them as this disruptive figure. Yeah. Like he is making their lives worse by being in it, but he can't admit that to himself because how could you? So he is using the Chris Mulkey situation to give them what he knows they need, an excuse to get away from him. And that was set up in the previous episode. Yeah. By by talking all about the disconnection. Like when his child almost drowns. Well, what we see was him phoning his wife in the middle of the night to go and check on his children. Exactly. You know, and he says, and she says, and there was no threat at that point. Of course not. No. Like this, none of this had happened. And given her reaction, this isn't the first time he's done this. He just keeps doing it. Yeah. Because that part of his brain is on constant alert. You know, his, he always feels like there's this threat looming. And he doesn't know how to cope with it. And he doesn't know how to deal. And he doesn't know how to push it down. Like the slightest worry about his children in his head. Because everybody worries about their kids all the time. 
But yeah. in his head, it becomes an actual actionable threat. Yeah. You know, and when there and so when there is an actual threat, it's just the perfect opportunity for him to say, okay, I, I need to take myself out of the equation with these children. Yeah. I can't keep disrupting their lives. I can't keep disrupting disrupting my wife's life. Exactly. Because And it's keep... funny because Please? she hasn't she hasn't moved on. And this is part of that fix. She hasn't moved on. She's still waiting for him to get better. Yes. And, and the kids not. don't really know what's wrong with him. No. They know there's something wrong. They don't know what's wrong. She thinks he's going to get better. They don't know what's wrong. And he realizes that this isn't getting better. And he's causing, like, he's disrupting his children's lives. And he's holding his wife in limbo. And he can't do that to them anymore. Yeah. Like, this, the weird part is, in the episode, in the original, this came out of nowhere. Yep. Him deciding, whereas here... You watch it, and this is a completely logical thing for him to want after the eight episodes of build-up. Yes. Here, the groundwork was laid perfectly for this, and now the most out-of-nowhere thing in the original becomes something that seems like it must have been inevitable for the character to do. Yes. And as I said, the best thing... Remember, I said this in the first that those first two episodes. The best thing they had done was to not have the wife. Yeah, be remarried. Be remarried, yeah. right? And getting on with her life. Um, already. Already. Save so, that I mean, for season two or three. You know, yes. I mean, like, I can see this this show, eventually he starts to feel more in control or whatever he feels, and right? And then he decides to check on his family and the wife has moved on and the kids have yes. moved on. Boom, that's what you do in season three or four. And yeah. it's torturous, but it yeah. would have been amazing. Yeah, it would have, as we say, it would have worked. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, weirdly, I know this is crazy, but now we're saying effectively that like the original Touching Evil is like the remake Cracker, where they started the character relationships way too far down the road. <laughs> But that's exactly what they did. We needed to see the break. We needed to see him get separated from his wife. We needed to see why this relationship didn't work anymore. Mm -hmm. We needed to see it happen. We don't just have to have Dave not living at home and resentfully talking about how he has to pay for two houses. Yeah. Making him sound like some scumbag men's rights activist. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah. Whereas here, like... <laughs> You see the agony it's causing him and the yeah. agony it's causing them. Yeah. God, just such a bad character in the original. <laughs> so unlikable. I agree. I. It's funny, eh? I mean, that, that, well, it's not funny. It is this key. Either you make your main character somebody that is worthwhile paying attention to remember i said all the time we kept calling them tony and ruth right yeah i know <laughs> because have. we didn't care about the characters at all no they didn't develop any kind of personality any kind of structure that you liked that you were involved with that you cared about the only person we semi-cared about was mark yep and he got screwed over royally by everybody. over and over and over again 
Like, the only likable character in that entire show is Mark, and the show seemed to hate Mark. Yeah. Well, because he was a likable character. I know. Likable people have to suffer. Like, what? Although we do get a bit of Mark here. Uh, Bradley Cooper, who's suggesting, who keeps pushing for the idea that if, you know, they go public with this and make a big deal, the public will help them catch the guy. And they don't want to listen to him. Yes. And that would have saved the... At least then the guy wouldn't have been after date. People might have been on... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he would have been out searching for the killer. He wouldn't have been focused so much on Dave. Yeah. So yeah, like Mark seemed to have been kind of right about that. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah but that's just, he's the young guy on the team. Now. Exactly. Like this is different. He's the Mark character, but he's, he's the, the new Mark guy on the team now, in this the version. The new guy yeah. on the team, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's a whole other character. Mm-hmm. It's a very different thing. And yeah, it's very, very interesting. Yeah. But so. yeah, like the original so like it's uh, is this the biggest surprise we've had doing this podcast i think it's the biggest surprise we've had doing this podcast like it comes close to the fact that they managed to fix criminal minds in yeah criminal minds korea but like the thing is what criminal minds korea did as we said was take like all of the best parts of criminal minds and remixed it whereas because you know whatever our feelings about the overall show, there are plenty of best parts of Criminal Minds and there are plenty of parts of Criminal Minds we love. Yeah. And they took all of the best parts and they put turned it into a coherent whole. Whereas here, they took a show that we had nothing good to say about. <laughs> Look, this is so opposite. We always watch the British stuff and go, oh, it's Why so Why couldn't good. the American shows be this good? Yeah. And then there isn't a, well, and there are a few, you know, American yeah, shows. Some good As American said, shows. Absolutely. The inside was that good. Um, yep. But none of the ones that are like the British shows tend to last, and this one didn't either. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like remember when they tried to do American Broadchurch? Oh God, that was. Sh- yeah. I don't know. That was so bad. What the hell were they thinking? I have no idea. Yeah. I have Real never bad. had any idea about what they thought they were doing with Broadchurch. Hey, at least David Tennant got another paycheck. Hey, that's, well, you know. The one thing you can say about it. Yeah. But it's like here, they they had this show and they said, and like, even though, I mean, it wasn't supremely successful in England by any means. So whatever whatever reason they had to get this show. They looked at this show and it's the thing you never happen that never happens. You're like, here is a deeply flawed show that we think has potential. Let's fix everything that was wrong with it. That just doesn't happen. I know. It is weird. I when mean, I, I still think I every time I watch it, yeah. I'm going, okay, well, geez, they went through this really fast. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course they did, because you know, of They're all not the wasting our time the way the original did. Yeah, and that's that's basically it. You're not it's a big part of it, yeah. Time. All right, so, so what are the next two episodes? I, what are 9 oh, and 10? 9 is something about a sniper I saw from the next time on Touching Evil. Yeah, okay, well, let me go. go. Yeah, check the IMDb and find out uh, what the next two episodes are, because I'm very curious. Because it looks like every episode is going to be an adaptation, although... Some of them are going to be more loosely adapted than others. Yes. 
And if the sniper is in fact him protecting this woman, then yeah, that's going to be a big change from the original. Because, oh god, yeah, white what price a child? Again, what oh. they how they fixed war relief? That was so good last week. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that was so good last week. Well, as I said, it's like they listen to us in the future. <laughs> I know you were right though. All the ch- suggestions you thought it needed, they had already made in the American version. Yeah. So and okay. this one, it's it's just so impressive. But yes. So what are the next two? Um. So the next one is the um, attachment. Yeah. So it, they might be doing it right. Um, what does the plot description say? Well, it says a couple murdered in their house. And oh, okay. So, yeah, stolen child. Yeah, the OSC is able to track down the boy, but the situation is complicated when the mother, the woman who took him claims to be the boy's birth mother. So they're going to do that. Oh, yeah, no, it is that episode. Okay. Yeah. And um, the OSC flies to Boston. So the next one is Boston. All right. What's the description of that episode? And I'm going, hmm. The OSC flies to Boston, Cregan's hometown, to find a serial killer known as the Blade Runner who has claimed seven victims. I don't think that is based on one of the original episodes at all. And I'm... Oh, my God. No, these are some new episodes, because listen to this one. Okay. The OSC is hunting a killer who is large and mentally unstable. As the evidence starts pointing towards Cyril, Cregan is determined to prove his friend innocent. Oh, so 10 and, uh, sorry, 11 and 12 are going to be completely original episodes. And then uh, the the Mercy Killer will be the final episode. Oh, that's interesting. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm really good. So we, I did that whole thing at the beginning of this week saying, what would they have done with trying to tell their own stories? And it turns out we're about to find out. We're so next about week, to find out. We'll watch nine and ten, which are the sniper slash what price a child episode, and then an episode about going to Boston and having Jeffrey Donovan actually admit that he's from Boston. Do you <laughs> think he's, he's probably? Gonna, do you he's think he's pro- going to do the accent? I don't know, but he's going to be related to Ray. Oh, obviously. Come he's on. He's obviously Southie. Right. 100%. <laughs> You've heard him do that accent. He is the most South Boston guy. Oh, my God. You know, that's the thing. I would have I would have liked to see uh, Liev Schreiber do the accent more, you know? Yeah, it would have been nice. He's, he's a guy who obviously cleaned himself up, and that was the whole point of him reinventing himself. But it's like, I'd like to see you do the accent a little there. Leah yeah. Schreiber. Well, you know, yeah. You got but... your two brothers really doing the accent. Well, let me put it this way. You got your wife he's doing the... the accent. You're the only one not doing the accent. Yeah, well, he's the lead character. And, he is. He you is know, right. and remember that Americans, generally speaking, have a trouble understanding Australians or New Zealanders. Or... So, yeah, when you get that real heavy Southie, I'm sure it was going to be trouble as well. You know, it's the same thing as if, if you're watching Justified and everybody's really Spoke. Yeah, really spoke like that. Again, yeah, maybe like that's why maybe that's why we never got Josh Stewart on Justified. Yeah, and here's here's why I, I mean, and this is like in Newfoundland, the shows that come out of Newfoundland. Well, oh yeah, my God. you yeah. might nobody's got the accent. But there is a 
funny. Oh, there's a show called Sister Somebody or Other. Yeah. Sister Boniface. Okay. It's it's the it's the equivalent of Father Brown, which means it's got this weird intemperate time mess, right? Like you don't really know when it's supposed to be set except it's post World War II. Yeah. But anyway, so Sister Boniface, there is a character in there, right? Who speaks. Right? And he has this heavy, heavy, heavy accent. Everybody understands him except this guy who's come from Africa who has this really British accent and was supposed to go to the was supposed to go to Scotland Yard to train and ended up their accent, like sort of oh, nice. miscommunication. But he can't understand this guy. What's really funny is that once I if I watch it in bulk. Yeah. By the time I get to the second or the third, because he only usually has one scene in an right. episode, or he says something, I'm beginning to understand. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's weird. I listen because you listen long enough because then somebody has to translate what he's saying. Of course, right? And um, so it is. Um, it, it 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 it's the same sort of thing with the the the, the heavy Southie accent. Yeah, I would think. Um, it wouldn't shock me at all that it's so, just, it is difficult. Well, I mean, again, what what was the fake Rockford Files on the CBC that ran for so long set in Newfoundland? Doyle. Doyle. Uh, Republic of Doyle. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I saw, I, I didn't watch it religiously, but I saw like 10 episodes of Republic of Doyle. And I understood everything everybody was saying. Oh, yes. And that Except, is not something that would ever happen to me if I went to Newfoundland. No, because, and he will, you will find him on YouTube sometimes. Like, he went on um, that. No, evening. I've heard him actually speak. Yeah. You know, and he's in, <laughs> he's in, he's in, he's in, well, do you know, like, like Tom Power, who does the uh, morning show from 10 to 1130, is from Newfoundland. The same thing, right? Um, there are so many of our Canadian... Okay. Announcer, broadcasters, newscasters, hosts, yeah. who are from Newfoundland. Yeah. And you will see it on um, the comedy show, right? Um, oh, yeah. This hour has 22 minutes. When, back when we used to watch Codco, same thing. Yeah. This hour, yeah. Codco, you get the actual accents. Yeah. Sometimes. But yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it is so. I know, I know it's weird to think of Boston as our Newfoundland. Because yeah. for the most part, people in Boston have completely, like, re re understandable regional accents. But it's like, you go to South Boston, you get what is basically our Newfoundland, you know? like Well, it's... yes, because it's also Irish. Yeah, you're right. And it's They're the both people who kept these really thick Irish accents. Yeah. And when you talk about the hill, and it develops differently than it did in Ireland. Of course. Right? And so, and then it's the same thing if you go into the Appalachians. Yeah. And these people, of course, were a mix of Irish and Scottish. And the same thing. Their language, because they were so isolated, developed differently. Yeah. And it's like if you go down into parts of New Orleans, mm -hmm. there are parts of New Orleans where, yes, they speak sort of French, but it's not a French we recognize anymore because it's a French that developed from when, of course, Louisiana was King Louis' domain, right? Yep. When the British ran everybody out of uh, Nova Scotia. Nova Scotia and, and New Brunswick and shoved them into Louisiana. Yep. All the French. And so the French in Quebec is more similar to the Cajun French 
than either one are to the French. French, in, French. Yeah. In, well, in Paris, anyway. And then you have Haiti, which is just a whole other language. <laughs> and then there's Haitian French. And then, so I've been explaining this about, because students sometimes somehow or another think there's something weird about English. And that, then I start talking to them about their own languages. I said, yeah. okay, I have a student whose name begins with V. Right. And she doesn't understand why people have a problem when she pronounces it, because of course, like spelling it, because of course she pronounces it as a B. It's like the difference between Cordoba and Cordova. Yeah. yeah. Right? If, of course. But it's spelled with a V, but they pronounce it with a B. Yeah. And the V is the B, right? Yeah. Yes. So sometimes it, V's are F's, you know, <laughs> like that's, you just... know, and, and so in other languages, it's the same problem right. and they're very regional. And then when they, when they start thinking about it that way, it makes it easier to understand why English is so problematic. I said, not even my sisters speak like I do. Yeah. I well, speak. and what? I think this is the yeah. key part. Uh, language is fascinating, which is why it's going to be so much fun to see if being in Boston forces Jeffrey Donovan to start, you know, to start <laughs> doing that, to start, you know, really drawing out those vowels like you like, you know, he wants to. Well, the, here's the funny thing. It's, it's just the maybe... idea that I'm sorry, just watching Burnos. I'm like, you're not from Miami. Oh my God, you're not from Miami. Well, here's the here's the interesting thing, right? Is that they yeah. could probably do this if it's Cregan's hometown, right? Exactly. That's what it, I'm it would, all of a sudden, this thing would start coming out of him, but he doesn't remember why. That would be amazing if they did that. Yeah, that that would really like he starts speaking Southie, and oh, okay, right. Yeah, no, I think that'd be okay. Well, you know what? We're not going to have to wait long to find out. Uh, no. We are going to wrap it up here, though. So, as always, I want to thank you for listening. If you have any questions, if you have any comments, if you have any profiling related fiction you'd like us to check out, drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Uh, if you were listening on an app or podcaster, please remember to rate and review. That's how people find the show. We'll see you back here for episodes nine and 10. Or uh, it's 9 and 10, right? Uh, wait a minute. It's 9 and 10 on... Oh, no, yes. It's 8 and it's 9. It's 8 and 9 on... if you count the first episode as... Yeah, I know, I know. The first two episodes. On IMDb, it's 8 and 9. And on the episode and on our downloaded episodes, it's 9 and 10. It's yeah. needlessly confusing. The point is, they're called Attachment and Boston. That's what we're watching That's next week. That's what we're watching. Uh, so we'll be back for that. But until then, I'll say that's right. Au revoir. And have a good week.